Hello, I'm Bill DeMay, Executive Vice Chair for the DC Young Republicans, and this is the District Download. Hello and welcome everyone to the District Download Podcast. I am your host, Bill DeMay. This is episode number 23 of the podcast. Um, Before we get into today's episode, I just want to offer a quick recap of this past weekend. Uh, So this past Sunday was our DCYR Summer Soiree down at Due South Dockside, uh, right there along the water of the Anacostia down there in Navy Yard. I want to thank all over 130 of you for attending this past weekend's event. Uh, I know it was on a Sunday, but we had some great weather. We got some great breezes that came along, and it was just great to see people not only from the D.C. area, but also, too, from Virginia and Maryland making the trek to come down to support us as we were getting back and welcoming everybody back to a post-COVID world. Uh, It was a beautiful day, smiles all around, so thank you again for coming down and supporting uh, your local YR chapter. Um, In addition to that, we have our next membership meeting taking place on Monday, July 12th. We've already announced a special guest speaker, but if you want to learn more, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more details and updates. Uh, That's, again, coming up in a few weeks, so make sure you put that on your calendar. So before we get into today's episode where we interview Ryan Fazio of Connecticut, uh, I want to just say with every episode that the views and opinions expressed during today's episode are our own and in no way represent the views, opinions, or policy positions of our respective employers. This is meant to be a free exchange of topics relevant to wires based in the D.C. area and beyond. So I hope you all have a lot of fun listening to this episode, as much as fun as I did. So without further ado, let's get to it. So we have a very special guest today on the podcast. I'd like to introduce Ryan Fazio, young Republican and 2020 Republican nominee for the Connecticut State Senate District 36 race. Uh, This is a district that encompasses Stanford, Darien and Greenwich. Uh, A little bit about Ryan. He's the vice president of a growth equity firm, former commodity trader and proud graduate of Northwestern University class of 2012, having earned a BA in economics. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks a lot for having me, Bill. It's great to be here. So yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what should our no- listeners and members know about you? Um, well, I grew up in Connecticut, in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, uh, played sports growing up, went to uh, public schools in, in the in the town growing up, um, but was certainly always interested in politics and public policy and the history of our country. And um so I, I, after college, I went, I went away to Northwestern, moved back to Connecticut, where I worked in mostly in commodities trading, uh, renewable energy, agriculture, and shipping, uh, which was really fascinating in industry, uh, especially because it was on the physical side, moving products all around the world to meet uh, consumers' needs and buying them from farmers and, and, and chartering in ships from ship owners. So it was really fascinating uh, insight into the global economy. Um, which really uh, was something that's in line with my interests. But um, I'd always you know, retained my deep-seated interest and love of, of civics and public policy and history. And I was, I writ, wrote, I've written for years for several outlets with probably right-of-center lean. Uh, most recently, I've, I've been writing a lot for the New York Post um, pu- public policy op-eds. And I also started to get involved in local government uh, back in my hometown where I live. Um, <clears throat> I'm on the local town legislature, um, the Greenwich uh, town legislature. So it's not a city council. It's called a representative town meeting. 
and it's in the um, it's in the old style of, of New England town halls, congregational style town halls. And the Greenwich uh, legislative body, the town legislative body is actually the fifth biggest legislative body in the United States after like Congress, New Hampshire and like a few other and Georgia and a couple other state legislators. So that's a that's a fun fact. Oh, wow. Um, and, and then I uh, and then I ran for state Senate last year. Um, I stepped up in a, a, a tight race uh, against a incumbent. Um, we ended up losing the race 51 to 49. Um, it, it was in a district, a suburban district um, that was trending uh, on a national level heavily away from Republicans. So in my district, I think the president, the last president, uh, got 36 percent of the vote, um, whereas I got 49 percent of the vote. So there's a lot of ticket splitting. But Connecticut was also and remains a state which has been totally undermined by the failures of, of the state government. And so we're running to bring change to progressivism run amok in government, um, revive the middle class um, economic opportunity, um, protect public safety. Um, again, crime in our cities has, has risen substantially like it has around the country and improve schools, make sure we have good curriculum and high standards and so on. So. Now I'm running for that again because there's a special election this summer, which just broke last week. Um, and that's that's very exciting as well. Yeah, really exciting. Like literally that news dropped like a week ago and it really dropped from out of the air. So congratulations to you on throwing your hat back into the ring and getting back into the arena politics. So uh, that's a lot. I, I want to make sure that I, I kind of dive in a little bit into your background and, you know, parcel a bit about, you know, some of the things that make you, you, right? So um, just out of curiosity, can you describe that moment or that series of moments that led you to fall in love with politics? Was this something that you came upon accidentally later on, say post-college, or has it been something that you've always had since elementary school or high school? Oh, definitely elementary school or earlier. I I just have this indelible memory of my grandmother at um, her dining room table. Um, she would have these placemats and she was a real politico or she is a real politico. She's still alive. Um, thankfully, and she, these placemats with all the presidents and just telling me about the presidents um, and telling me about the wars that the United States had fought. And I don't know, early on, I think from her, but just generally, I, I just got the sense that I was very lucky to live in this country. And it, it always interested me why we should be so lucky to live in this country, what made it so great, and how can we make, how can I or others be a part of making it even better? So it's just something that was always in my heart. Yeah, it's always those politicos that really have that strong basis and understanding of history that always throw their hat in the ring. If you look at folks like Newt Gingrich, they're prolific writers and just prolific thinkers too. And they're huge history nerds. Like you have to be a little bit nerdy in order to get into politics, you know. Uh, and <laughs> if you want to do well, you got to have an understanding of uh, where everybody's come from and how things work. So tell me a little bit about your experience living in Fairfield County, uh, which is the southwestern part of the state. Um, what can you tell us a little bit about living there? Have you always lived there? I'm curious to know what's kind of some of your favorite parts about growing up in that part of the state. Well, I think it really has everything. I think it's like just as great a place imaginable to 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 grow up or raise a family. Um, strong communities, um, great location because it's close proximity to New York City, um, but it's also you know a bunch of towns and suburbs, and we have small cities here. And with in the case of Stamford um, as well, um, you know we're right on the we're right by the water on the Long Island Sound. Um, 
And there's really a lot of good people here and it's a tightly knit community. And we saw that last year when everything was in crisis and people were stepping up to, um, to volunteer and help one another um, in the early days of COVID. I remember um, my neighbor runs Meals on Wheels in our town. So they deliver meals to, um, to, uh, to homebound elderly and, and some low income people. And at the beginning of COVID, um, I called my neighbor. I was like, Hey, if you know, you need any, if you need a hand, I'm happy to help. And she was like, Oh my goodness. Thank you. Because we, um, we have this need that's like tripling overnight because of COVID. And I called her a couple of days later. Um, and she said that she had over a hundred people call her asking to help since then. So it's a type of place where people step up to help one another. And, and that's gratifying. I just, I think it is a very nice place to live and grow up. Um, but the economic opportunity and the affordability have, have left the area. And it's not the economic powerhouse that it was 20 or 30 years ago. It's been economically stagnant, the state of Connecticut, for a long time, um, despite being once being the richest state in the country. Um, so part of the reason that I wanted to run is because I love the community, but I think it's being failed by its leadership in the state government. And I want to see that change. Great intentions, right? You know, um, you see a need, fill a need. Uh, that's kind of the way politics works, of course. Uh, and also to that understanding of just the, the purpose of serving the community, which is very evident that you've been very involved with. Um, before we go into your, you know, 2020 state Senate run, tell us a little bit about um, your role on the Greenwich representative town meeting, right? So uh, as folks may not be familiar with New England politics is a bit different in that it's very hyper-local in that we don't really have county governments per se, at least yeah. in Connecticut, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little bit different. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what you've done uh, at the, the local level and uh, how you first ran for that slot? Yes. Well, <laughs> it, I, I think if I if I were to give some advice to some of the younger politically inclined people on this call, get involved in local government. It really is. It's fun. It's rewarding. I think we might have a generation here where everyone wants to change the world, but um, that that can be that can be psychologically daunting because no one even knows where to start. And if you actually have an effect, you could have a negative effect too. But Starting with your own neighborhood and your own town or city, you can make a real positive difference quicker than you even think. And almost anyone could, almost anyone could get onto the Greenwich representative town meeting who wants to. Uh, you really just have to throw your, your hat in the ring and you'll probably be elected because most of the time it's like a district has 25 people running for 20 slots. So if you make any effort at campaigning whatsoever, you could be elected to it. And it passes the town ordinances and changes the town charter, which is like the town constitution, and passes the budgets and implements resolutions and, and, other, uh, and other changes in town policy. Um, and people can take as active or as passive a role in it as they want to because it has over 200 people on it. But I, you know, I think, you know, we talk, I, I think some of the smart people in this country, especially on the center right, like Yuval Levin or, um, or others, point to the fact that communities are becoming weaker, not stronger in the United States over the last 60 years. Um, people have fewer community connections and, and less involvement in, in local organizations. And the localism that it still exists, the, this, the home rule, the sense of pride in town and municipality in Connecticut, I think has a value in modern society where anyone could get involved, anyone can make a, a difference no matter how big or small. Like one of the most proud things I am of some of 
you know, the people whom I ally with on the RTM in the past year was passing a change to um, uh, passing a change to our waste management policy in town and, and implementing tipping fees rather than funding uh, uh, for people who actually use the town dump rather than uh, funding it through taxes, a tax subsidy. It's like, you know, that doesn't, you know, that's not going to, you know, draw a huge crowd necessarily, but it's important and someone's got to do it and it is rewarding. So I really do recommend getting involved in local government. And those issues that you mentioned, like just picking up the trash, those are the the issues that folks down on the ground in these towns, in these cities, that's what really they, they see on a day-to-day basis. Like so long as your trash getting picked up, that's like one of the most important things to them, right? So whereas, you know, we're down here in the nation's capital and everybody's down on Capitol Hill talking about these, you know, big, you know, big 10 ideas uh, and everything like that, you know, it really is just a matter of who's picking up the trash. So tell us a little bit about your 2020 run for uh, CT State Senate. Um, it was a really close race, um, really one of the closest races, I think, in that cycle uh, back last uh, year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Some of the issues that were important to folks, um, as well as just kind of, you know, what your experience was with that? Yes. Um, so my opponent in the race last year was a first term Repub- uh, Democrat state senator. She won um, the seat from a Republican who is a really fantastic um, guy and public servant. Um there, there is a there is a very good election for Democrats nationally in 2018, but in suburban areas, there was there was a major shift towards the Democratic Party, and it, it felt and it made its way down ticket. So, um, so she was defending her for her incumbency for the first time, um, and uh, I challenged her because I thought she had broken the promises she made to voters during the campaign. Um, I think I think the people in suburban areas do want more moderate. If they if they want Democrats, they want more moderate Democrats, especially on economic issues. And so that's how she she ran twice, and it was successful. But I didn't think that's was an accurate representation. And so that was one of the main arguments that that I made. And uh, you know, she cast me as similarly as someone who is too conservative for the district and tried to associate me with with national politics. Um, I think you can deduce what I mean, even though the, my primary concern is solving local and state issues, because that's what I have power over. I don't have power over policy towards China or immigration, um, for instance, as a state senator. Um, so I ran I ran on issues, mostly the economy, um, because that is the chronic and preeminent crisis in Connecticut. We never recovered from the Great Recession before COVID began in this state. We're one of just two states where that's the case. Um, so I think that's an indictment. That's what the, what that was my um, that was my primary message to voters. Well, it was close. Uh, she uh, she ended up winning by two points. I think she won by one point last time. Um, it was a very tough year for Republicans across the state. We lost even in 2020. We lost two state Senate seats. Um, so. Uh, even so, it's a very, very rewarding experience. Um, meeting so many voters, talking to so many voters. I knocked on 4,000 doors. Um, I had volunteers, so many volunteers, dozens of just really good people, you know, working working very hard on my behalf. I'm always going to be very grateful for it. 
Um, and I was very honored, you know, to have 28,000 people vote for me too in a very close election as a relative newcomer to politics. So it was a great experience. It was certainly contentious. It was certainly difficult. Um, but I think, uh, I, I think our campaign team is very proud of the campaign we ran. And I certainly am very proud of the campaign we, we ran. Yeah. And as a young guy running in Connecticut too, I mean, you were one of the youngest faces that were running. So again, an additional kudos to you as a, as a young Republican who, who's, who ran in 2020. And you've already mentioned this, but you had said uh, that you're running in the upcoming special that was just announced. Um, so I'm curious to know what you plan to do differently this go around. So it's going to be obviously a lot different than in 2020, where you had a presidential. It's going to be very local. Is it going to be really driven by turnout? Is there going to be a lot of door knocking now that the pandemic's pretty much over? I'm curious to hear what your 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 ground game is going to be and how you're going to do things differently, if you're able to divulge those details to us. Yeah, I'll keep it at a high level, just just uh, for 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 any number of reasons. Um, <laughs> it, it'll be, it'll be a, um, it'll be a very short race. Um, it'll be a special election in August and, um, and turnout will be low just in general. I mean, I'm sure turnout, turnout here in my district is very high compared to most of the country. Um, so I'm sure it'll be impressive turnout for a state Senate election in August, but it will be low in the grand scheme of things. So Making sure that people who are sympathetic to us turn out to vote is very important, and that'll be a priority. And the issues should be that Connecticut families are not prospering as greatly as they should expect to be, and that Connecticut's neighborhoods are not as safe as they should be, and that Connecticut schools are not performing as well as they should, especially given how much, how many resources we plow into those schools. They are foundational issues about whether the lives of people in our community are as good as they should be. And those should always be types of issues that we run on. It, th this practice of politics vocation is about making people's lives better than they otherwise would be. Um, I do not know what the, uh, our opponent, uh, I do not know who our opponent is yet, and I do not know uh, what they will run on, but I hope they also run on on making people's lives better and effectuating positive change to public policy, not about um, not about issues over which state legislators have no effect, um, not divisive issues. So I will run on the same issues that I've always been focused on that I think the, that are most important to families in our district. And I'm very optimistic that that uh, message is going to resonate. I'm very um, optimistic about our chances this time around. And um, I'm really excited about what the next seven weeks and uh, year and a half potentially in the state Senate have to offer. Yeah. Seven weeks is going to be a sprint. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, exactly. That's exactly the metaphor. That's correct. The last one was, you know, eight months and that was a marathon. <laughs> Yeah, eight months to seven weeks. That is going to be something else. We'll have to have you back on at some point to tell us how that sprint went. Um, anyway, um, just curious. Um, we had a question that was asked before this. When elected, what will be the first bill that you plan to introduce? You've talked a lot about the economy as well as the, uh, you know, the family. What are some of the kind of one of the, what's the big issue that you plan to introduce legislation on first? Well, I don't know that there's a single one because there will be several, but um, I, I view it in in two ways. In the short run, I will be serving in a state government that is dominated by Democrats by the numbers. So realistically, I have to figure out um, policies that 
um, are in accordance with our values and principles as Republicans um, that make people's lives better in my community and around the state and which Democrats might also be willing to tolerate um, and trying to enlist good Democratic lawmakers uh, in that cause. I, one of my priorities would probably be healthcare prices, uh, uh, healthcare costs. I think there's some supply side regulatory improvements that other states have tried, which should be implemented in Connecticut, which could reduce healthcare costs and improve access and potentially expand the industry, create more jobs as well. Um, so I think healthcare would be a priority. Um, potentially also energy. I obviously have experience in the energy space and Connecticut has the highest utility costs, electricity costs in the lower 48. Um, and um, people have a very negative attitude towards the uh, electrical utility in Connecticut uh, for good reason. But the, the public policy has certainly made it worse, is responsible for a large portion of the electricity bills. So those issues, very important basic issues to the livelihoods of all people here in the state. Um, and I think maybe third would be, hopefully there could be some adjustments to the police bill that was passed last summer, which seemed to precipitate a very significant increase in crime in Connecticut cities. That's not tolerable. Government's first job is to protect its citizens. So we need some public safety reforms too. And the bridge on that, just curious to know if elected, what would be your top three committee choices uh, in terms of committee assignments? Uh, I'm assuming since given your, your background, energy is probably the first, but I'm curious to know the others. No, I think finance or budget would be the first. I mean, I didn't get into it, but long-term Connecticut needs to solve its budgetary crisis and its economic stagnation. I, people are leaving Connecticut. People left Connecticut last year, even though thousands of families moved to towns in lower Fairfield County out of New York City for obvious reasons during COVID. We still lost population because it's so expensive to live here because jobs aren't created here um, because the, econ the state economy is made so much worse by state policy. So reducing the tax burden and solving the long-term debt and pension liability crisis is the first priority. And I think to be on the budget or finance committee would um, would be a priority to effectuating change in that regard. Um, I think I think health, I think energy would also be of significant interest to me. Education has always been something important to me. I think we can make positive education reform in Connecticut in a similar way that Massachusetts did in the 1990s. Uh, I volunteered in in schools in the Bronx for you know the past seven eight years on weekends. Um, education reform something very close to my heart. So I guess I would say budget finance first, education second, maybe healthcare energy tied for third. Good to know. Good to know. Um, and then just to borrow from a, a competitor podcast of ours, um, are you more motivated by the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that's a tough question. The, uh, you know, uh, learning in politics never to answer questions directly if I don't want to. I don't. I don't know that I'm. I don't know that I'm motivated that much by either. Um, <laughs> maybe, probably more the thrill of victory. I mean, I, I just you know I lost a very close race, and you know I wanted to win very badly, but I never felt a great deal of regret. I think we ran a very good race, and we. We, are, we disseminated our message and I'm very proud of it and I don't have any regrets about it. So I think by process of elimination, then I have to say the thrill of victory. Thrill of victory. It's it's intoxicating. So um, I know we're running up a little bit above time, but uh, again, as you mentioned, you're a prolific writer. You've wrote for the New York Post as well as other local Connecticut publications. Um, just out of curiosity, before we open up the floor to you, 
is there any one op-ed or piece that you've written that's really caught traction or one that you're most proud of? Um, it's, it's one that I wrote three years ago um, for The Federalist, um, which is a website I'm sure you're familiar with. It's, it's, the title is, the, they, the, the editor, that the, title, the, the title that the editor gave it was what, what the Communists Did to My Family in the Soviet Gulags. Um, I'm very proud of that piece. I don't know that it got more traction than some of the things I've written in the New York Post, which is a major, a very major publication. But um, I was proud of that. It told the story of my step grandfather and how he was put through the um, the gulags as a young boy um, because his after Stalin invaded um, Poland. People forget that. <laughs> people forget. People forget that at uh, at the beginning of World War II that the Soviets in, invaded. Uh, uh, Poland with the Nazis because uh, they had an alliance with them. And um, my my step-grandfather's family, he was seven years old, was thrown into the gulags, the labor camps, and stayed there for five years um, for, for, totally, um, for, 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 for totally capricious reasons, obviously. And, um, you know, all the death and suffering that, that he saw around him, and thank goodness they all survived and lived. But, um, but tying that into tying that into the fact that the fact that um, the, the the horrors and the mass murder of the communist regimes across the world um, 100 years since the Russian Revolution, now we're 124 years since it, or 104 years since, uh, was a direct result of Marxism, of the philosophy. The, the, the fruit was rotten because the tree from which it came was rotten. And um, and we shouldn't remember, we should never forget, and we should certainly um, teach um, students of those horrors of tens of millions of people who were killed by those regimes. So I think that's an important message. Absolutely. As you as it's been established, you're a student in history, and it's always good to be brushing up on your history. Um, you know, no, how matter, no matter how pretty or ugly it is. So I want to open up the floor to you before we go into our rapid fire slash hot seat mode. Uh, so do you have any, I know we were talking about this beforehand, but do you have any favorite DC stories, any shout outs you want to give folks or anything our listeners should know? Um, I turned 21 at the tombs, which is the, um, the no famous, kidding. uh, Georgetown bar. I was on spring break. And I was visiting friends and uh, I turned 21 and I got my forehead stamped at the tombs. And uh, <laughs> so that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I think I, I was I also went to Boys Nation when I was in uh, high school. There's Boys States that it's the American Legion simulation, government simulation. Then I went to the national one and uh, we all met George uh, George W. Bush when he was president, too. So that was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, boy, I'm a fellow Boy State alum too. So, you know, that was yeah. one of the most monumental best programs I've ever taken part in. So it really is a phenomenal program. Yeah. And I, I even ask people about it. And like when you when you find somebody who's done the program, it's like you're part of an exclusive club and it's such a good feeling. And it's just like, oh, you share your stories and be like, what town were you from or anything like that? Talk about your counselors. It's 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 a great time. And uh, I, know, I mean, I still there's a couple of boy staters who are still involved in Connecticut politics. A kid I went to boy state with who I always thought we had a great sense of humor. I just read in the newspaper the other day that he became the, the women's, the girls swimming coach at my old high school in Greenwich. <laughs> so we still, I, you know, what is it? 14 years on, I still have this connection. Yeah. Same here. Still have those connections. I still run into a few of them down here in DC too, for those who moved down here. So um, anything else before we go into the rapid fire hot seat? 
No. All right. Are you ready? Yes. In no particular order. Uh, (laughs) Post-COVID vacation plans, or have you already gone on yours? Well, um, I'm uh, my vacation plan is to knock doors in in the 36th Senate district. <laughs> well, there's there's your August vacation right there. There you go. Uh, uh, favorite fast food chain? Oh, I mean, obviously Chick Fil A is the best, but my heart will always be with McDonald's. And follow up to that, favorite local restaurant in Fairfield County or wherever you grew up? Oh, um, oh my goodness, I'll get. Uh, I think Chicken Joe's and Garden Catering in Greenwich are have this just uniquely fantastic um, fried uh, fried nuggets and potatoes that anyone who comes to Greenwich has to try. Favorite bar in Stanford or Fairfield County? Um, oh boy. I think my favorite bar in Greenwich is the Bruce Park Grill. Um, but our watering hole in Greenwich uh, from with a lot of friends is, is Karen's Costco and Costco. Good deal. Last movie you saw in theaters? I don't remember. <laughs> that's a stumper question right there you that really think about that uh favorite football team giants oh favorite baseball team my number one love will always be the yankees oh, double off <laughs> <laughs> i'm from the other part well, of the state so yeah our, well our, right now our season is unfortunately an oof and we've lost i think six straight games against the red sox so it's not a great situation for me uh last song you played on your apple or spotify playlist oh my god that's gonna be embarrassing uh, I think it might have been. <laughs> I think it might have been Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> I don't know how bad that was admitting that, but it just—I don't know. It's, that's what I listened to. Doesn't and then last. finally, favorite monument or location in DC. I mean, that's easy. You can look behind me. We're on video chat, and Abe Lincoln's giving the Gettysburg Address, and uh, so uh, so Lincoln, obviously, and he was he was the greatest president and maybe the greatest American. Uh, he saved the union, ended slavery, and perpetuated the ideals of the founding into the future. So so the Lincoln Memorial is obviously my favorite. Amen. Great answer. So uh, that's all I got for you, Ryan. Is there uh, any way that our listeners and our, our members can follow you on social media or maybe even your campaign? Uh, yes. Follow us on Twitter at Ryan Fazio or uh, on Facebook at Ryan Fazio. Perfect. Well, thank you again for your time today, Ryan. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you run uh, in this upcoming special election and uh, look forward to having you on the pod and maybe having some good news. Of course. Thanks a lot, Bill. Hope to talk to you again. Take care. Bye. Well, you just heard from young Republican Ryan Fazio, who just announced that he is running in the upcoming special election in Connecticut's 36th Senate District. We want to make sure that we're spotlighting young Republican candidates coming up here in Virginia and New Jersey and beyond. Uh, Our chairman, Rick Lowry, has already said that 2022 is going to be the year of the young Republican. So we want to make sure that we're spotlighting you or people you know who are running uh, in these upcoming elections that are coming up in 2022. So... Uh, that cannot be possible unless we get the word out. So make sure that you're sharing this podcast with your friends. Subscribe for our weekly and sometimes bi-weekly episodes. Give us a five-star review and a positive review at that. Uh, we want to make sure that we're getting the word out there as well as getting some love as well in those comment sections. And we look forward to hosting more YR candidates in the future. So that's it for today. Thank you for joining and we'll see you next week. On behalf of the D.C. Young Republican Executive Board, we thank you for listening to the District Download. 
Make sure to hit that subscribe button, give us a five-star review, and share this episode with your friends. The District Download is currently available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and wherever else you may listen to podcasts. Thank you.